Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. And now, here is your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. Welcome to the broadcast, everybody, or podcast, whichever you refer to as the cat. How about that? Thank you so much for being here with us. Appreciate you joining in. It is Monday, January 18, 2016. We say that because so many are downloading and listening to these podcasts. It's amazing to me the shelf life that these podcasts have uh, over, I mean, we have podcasts that we did three years ago. And people are still downloading those, listening to them because of the content and the subject matter that's in there. It's really interesting. So we appreciate you being a part of the podcast. Special happy Martin Luther King Day. When you look at what Martin Luther King accomplished and how far we've come as a country since those days, it's really hard to imagine you know, going back to that era and because we're just socially so far uh, from those days, at least we want to think we are. And then sometimes you look at what goes on in different parts of the uh, the world. Ferguson, you look at what's going on in Chicago times, other parts of the country, and you go, have we really gotten that far? It's a whole other topic, but uh, anyway, we just I, I just really um, admire the leadership that Martin Luther King brought, how he approached that issue. And if you ever will get a chance to want to look at it, go take a look at... Uh, the uh, video by Simon Sinek and how great leaders inspire, and he talks about Martin Luther King in that, and it's a great example. There's uses three other examples as well as the Wright brothers, as well as uh, Apple Computer. So, great uh, Stephen Jobs at Apple Computer. Great video to watch if you haven't done so already. We appreciate you joining us. Today's hot topic will be again on the economy. Where this first month we've dedicated ourselves to just going over and over housing, all the various aspects. We're really honored today to have the MBA's Chief Economist, Senior Vice President, Chief Economist, Mike Frattentoni with us. Going back, he's a regular guest on the program, and we're honored to have him join us. We're going to be getting an update on all that. Uh, well, we're based on the latest volatility we've had, all that. Is there any updates to his forecast? Well, we're going to find out on the Hot Topic segment, and we're thrilled to have him here with us. Again, this broadcast, podcast, was created by mortgage professionals, for mortgage professionals, and, of course, we're the proud recipient of the Progress in Lending Innovation Award. Very grateful for that. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors. Arch Mortgage has MI is now a sponsor. Very excited to have them, as well as Velma, the Virtual Electronic Marketing Assistant. Very grateful to have him, them here, as well as Motivity Solutions, uh, the reporting dashboards and, and scorecards that are in real time. Talk a little bit more. They have a KPI they're going to share with us here just a little bit later as well as we've got a special message from our folks there with Arch Mortgage. Very excited to have them all here with us. Well, let's see here. Special thank you goes out to Alice, Joe, and Andy, Paul, Sam, Garcia, everyone that um, makes this program and podcast possible, and it's the number one most listened to podcast in the industry. I think we may be the only one, so we're one of the few out there anyway. We're grateful. Uh, I especially want to call attention to the NBA conferences that are coming up. January 21st, 2016, the NBA's Mergers and Acquisition Workshop. I know there's a lot of attendance. It's, I don't know if it's quite sold out yet, but it's very close. To, it's got to be close to because a lot of people I know are asking me if I'm going to be there. So it's going to be very much, very well attended. And if you have not registered, I encourage you to do so. We'll have Mike on here in a minute and, or at the end of the Hot Topic segment and get an update. Now, I do know that Mike gave us an update just before we started the podcast doing a sound check. And Mike says the January 28th uh, whole loan work whole loan trading workshop in um, Fort Worth is sold out. That one is sold out. And then also we have coming up the in, uh, what do we got here, coming up February, the National uh, Mortgage Servicing Conference at the Hyatt Regency in Orlando, Florida. And then we also have the Midwinter Conference in the Ritz-Carlton in uh, Avon, 
Colorado, uh, the Bachelors Gulch. You know, you can know it's going to be one of David Stevens' favorite ski resorts. That's where it's going to be. He's from Colorado, avid skier. I see some pictures on Facebook of that. So love to see you all there as well as there's just go to the website. Go to the NBA website. Look at all the conferences. You need to attend these. And do not assume that you could just roll in at the last second and register. The whole loan trading workshop is an example, I think, of the conferences and workshops that are going to be going on throughout this year. They're going to be selling out fast selling out early you need to register early also last thing i want to say before we get the update market update from joe far is i want to say that the mba's mortgage action alliance program is a program that everybody in this entire industry needs to be signed up for it is just a brain dead easy uh, way to uh, maybe maybe shouldn't say brain dead when approaches to getting things to our senators if they make it so easy is what i'm trying to say it's almost a point and click and you get a personalized message out to the representatives from your area that are within your district. And uh, so it's very important that you sign up for this. It's that one voice concept, and they do a great job of getting the word out to our senators representing our industry. And you look at us, I mean, we're a fairly small industry, especially when you compare it to the lobby from the realtors. Now, most of the time we're fairly aligned, but, you know, it's it, we really need to have the mortgage voice heard. So sign up for Mortgage Action Alliance do so going to their MBA website. Google it, and you'll get there. Joe Farr, good to have you here with us. Appreciate you. Are you taking the day off today? Good morning, Luther King? Are, are you in, are you uh, in the no, office? I had to come in and, and prepare for this, so no. Oh, I'm working. I appreciate it. You're working. Yeah. Huh? The markets are closed today, but let's get a it's you know, quite a round last week, man. Well, I'll tell you, this whole, so far this year, we've been on a straight path higher uh, in price, lower in rate. Uh, so far since since yeah. the end of uh, 2015, we're we're up about 120 basis points on the three and a half, and up uh, more than that on the on the three percent. So uh, yields are falling as those prices are improving. So it's been we've been on a nice little rally. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the stock market's been uh, going. Uh, in the same direction as rates have, right? They've been falling, yeah. so that's uh, not all good. Uh, but last week we we uh, we saw MBS prices improve about sixty basis points during the week, and and most of that came on Tuesday and Friday, and most of that came because of growing concerns about China uh, and the continuing fall of the price of oil. Uh, it's really rattling the markets, and I'll be interested to hear. Uh, Mike talk about that uh, when we get to his section, but uh, uh, you know it's the, the stock market really took a beating during the week. Uh, uh, well, it was very volatile in the end. There, there was yeah. a loss of about 350 uh, points on the Dow, but boy, every day but Monday had a 100 point plus swing, and a couple of those were 300 point uh, movements. So it's a really been a, a, a difficult time in the markets, and you know uh, economic data hadn't gotten much attention so far. That's right. Uh, during the yeah. week last week we 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 had some mixed data and that jolts showed that the job market, much like the the jobs report earlier in the month, uh that the labor market's pretty healthy. Uh job openings rose a little bit and uh voluntary quits rose to the highest level since two thousand and eight and you know, we've said in the past that the voluntary quits number is an indication of confidence that if you quit you're going to be able to go find a new job and uh, right. And so that's a better paying job, theoretically, and, uh, and and so that's a sign of confidence. Uh, December retail sales, though, were very disappointing. Uh, they fell from November when a small increase was expected. Uh, industrial production fell. Uh, core PPI came in uh, about as expected. It's only three-tenths of a percent uh, year-over-year um, inflation, so a sign of the benefits of uh, uh of the strong dollar and the uh and as the benefit of the drop in the price of oil rose, rolls through the economy we're seeing that consumer sentiment was good dave uh, uh i know you like looking really? at that yeah. uh, amazing given that uh people must not have seen their 401k balances cuz uh, uh consumer sentiment rose to the best level in 6 months now, the other theory behind that was that no one really has a 401k back that, much anymore, so they have not been saving, so they're all on the spending side of it. So the fact that that, that is good and the other, in the sense that spending is up, but, you know, the whole savings factor is something, although savings is up across the board, but that, that was a little <laughs> side note yeah. I saw when I saw your, yeah, that reported, so. 
Uh, and then for the week, this week we have housing data. Uh, pretty a lot of it. The National Association of Home Builders Housing Survey comes out tomorrow. The housing starts on Wednesday, and existing home sales on Friday. And I'm I'm very curious to see if we don't get a nice little bump in existing home sales as the 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 sales that should have happened in November, uh, but were delayed due to trid, uh, should be rolling into uh, December. Uh, hopefully more rolling into the into December than roll on to January, but uh, it's going to be hard to, to gain much uh, uh, of an indication of strength of the housing market through the existing home sales numbers until we work all the way through these trade issues. Yeah. Uh, and Mike, then the last thing, CPI. Yeah. But yeah, good, I want to put good. a treasure and a little hook out there for making sure. I, I mean, I know everyone's going to dial in. There's dialing in to listen to Mike later on, or I'll listen to all of this, but, um, you know, I think there's, there's some real interesting data points that we're going to get from this, and I can't wait to get the MBA's perspective and Mike's perspective on that. So, yeah, it's absolutely. And then CPI comes out on Wednesday. You were talking about core, core yeah. CPI yeah. is Wednesday. Wednesday uh, well, they're both. The CPI and core CPI are both coming out on Wednesday. So yeah, 830. No, no real changes. I'm looking at your website now. And again, folks, I, how do you exist in this world without having a website like and having access to something like what? MBS quote line provides. I do not get it. And I talk to people go, oh, yeah, no, I need to sign up. And they go, do it. New Year's resolution. Put it at the top of your list. Sign up. Become a part of MBS quote line. It's so dang affordable, folks. How can you not? The value of information that's coming there. Okay. I just need to turn the ad on here, Joe. I, I obviously, I'm there a fan of it. an awesome job. So, anyway, if you want to learn you. more how to get signed up, stay tuned with us and listen to this ad. We'll be right back after this brief break. Economic uncertainty has created a tremendous amount of market volatility for the past few weeks. Intraday price changes seem the rule rather than the exception. Have you been surprised by a midday price change? Have you been frustrated as you locked the loan just ahead of a price movement? Found it difficult to explain to a customer why the rate you quoted is no longer available? MBS Quoline can eliminate these frustrations. MBS Quoline monitors Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Ginny Mae mortgage-backed security prices in real time. It makes the information conveniently available on your desktop, smartphone, or by email or text message. These are the same prices used to set mortgage rates each morning and to issue midday price changes when significant movement occurs. With MBS Quoteline, you'll never be out of touch with the market, whether you're in the office or on the road. See for yourself what MBS Quoteline can do for you. Go to MBSQuoteline.com to start a risk-free two-week trial. MBSQuoteline.com. 646-716-4972. The Lickin on Lending Show is back. Here is your host, David Lickin. Oh, I got turned on that bike during the break. Sip on a coffee. You don't need to hear me sipping on coffee when I'm uh, yeah, the break, ad break. I just want to say uh, happy Martin Luther King Day to uh, Paul Mallow. He's taken the day off, but I'm looking over at his website. Again, if you're not looking at this website, you should sign up, get this newsletter as well, each and every day. It is uh, imfnews.com. Looking over here, I just encourage you to go check it out. We've got so much we want to talk about today, so I'm not going to read through the headlines, but there's some really good information here uh, that that I encourage all of you to. The thing that I like what Paul does, Paul and John Bancroft and uh, the folks there, they really look at some of these stories. They're really zeroing in. And trust me, Paul is emailing me constantly. Hey, look, I'm hearing this. Have you heard this? And he is just all over it. So check out. If you want to have a great website that's staying on top of things, it is imfnews.com on the hottest moving trends. And then say, yeah, that's a great compliment to what Sam Garcia does. Uh, and we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But let's move over to Alice Alvey. It's great being with Alice last week. Love working with her. And we were working together at a client. Uh, folks, I just got to tell you, there's 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 lot there's some good people out there that are serving our industry, but there's no one that I think that covers the topic of you know compliance, training, all the things that you know Indicom Mortgage U does, at, 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 at the, in a way that she does. It's just outstanding. It's Alice. I'm honored to have you be a part of the podcast and be what we're doing here. So let's get a quick legislative update. I know there's not a lot of new stuff going on out there, or is there? Well, you're right, Dave, and thank you very much for those kind words. I enjoy being at the at folks' shops and seeing how people do things. And uh, I think we've done it now enough where we're starting to see some trends. And one of our recent clients said it best, you know, we're only 90 days into TRID. So if anybody thinks they started to see what the end result is going to be, you're fooling yourself, right? We're still 
just January is going to be really one of our first months. The entire pipeline might be all TRID. December was still somewhat of a mix for clients. So this is still in its early ages from uh, understanding your cost standpoint, trying to really work out the final procedure nuances that need to be resolved, and really trying to make sure you've got the balance between compliance and efficiency and production all down pat, right? <laughs> With um, and yes, yep. we still do Back have up. unanswered questions. Yeah, we still have unanswered questions about um, on construction, construction to perms. So for those of you who think that maybe some magic answer would appear over the holidays, the answer to that is no. Uh, we don't have anything firm yet from CFPB to identify when we this, quote, grace period may be out there. Uh, we don't have any legislative support behind uh, the lawsuit risk that is still out there. So um, all of that is still the same. So where my update is for today, I did want to make sure folks were aware that there is an important proposed rule out there that you do need to consider commenting on. Uh, so this is the Humda proposed rule regarding the resubmission guidelines. You all know that in 2018, data collection year, you're going to have 26 additional fields. So right now you have about 23 to 26 fields, depending if you have a co-borrower or not and now you're going to double that number of fields. You should be in 2016 completely analyzing your process, your reports, your reconciliation between your uh, loan files and the final law and what happened to your system. We conduct those audits, uh, but the proposed rule that's out there now is going to, is asking questions about how, what new fines and penalties kick in. Today, this, if an audit is conducted, they'll probably take a sampling of about 32 loans. That's assuming if your total units reported is less than 100,000, which is most of you out there. If all it takes is them for all it takes is for the auditors to find seven or eight errors in that, and you're in for a next level of review that'll now include a full 10% audit of your pipeline. So if you close about 5,000 units in a year that's 500 errors that you would be allowed to make, which you go, wow, 500, that sounds like a lot. Well, it's not in relationship to that 5,000 loans actually equates to 115,000 data points in that report. So they say 10% across, you know, the, the horizontal, there's a horizontal error test and a vertical error test down a particular data field. You can't make a lot of mistakes. So my heads up to you all is, A, have your Humda data audited. B, respond to this comment period that closes in March. You want that the CFPB considers being much uh, broader or giving you much more leeway in when you would have to submit these reports uh, to be able to, um, you know, save yourself some headaches. So that's my heads up on that front. Um, I know we have Mike Spratt and Tony on the show later on, and I love hearing his feedback on the future, and I have some questions for him. So, Dave, I'm going to give an early turn back to you so that we can have plenty of time to talk to Mike. Yes, thank you. Appreciate it so much, Alice. And, uh, folks, if you're looking for someone training, you got to get a hold of Alice. Here's some information you can uh, write down and so you know how to connect with her and hurt in your shop. It's so important. Be right back after this brief break. If you have questions about mortgage regulations, Indicom Mortgage U has free answers. If you need ideas about how to reinvent your organization, Indicom Mortgage U will share great ideas. When you need help at any step of the loan process, give us a call or send an email. The Indicom team of experts have been helping mortgage players from origination through servicing for over 30 years. Your success is our focus. Whether it's a quick question or long-term support, portfolio, conventional, or government lending, it's a competitive market. So let Indicom Mortgage U give you the edge. Yes, it will give you an edge, too, absolutely. Uh, let's get over to Sam Garcia, a good friend from Dallas. You know, I, I was thinking about what we were over the weekend and how I was suffering watching my Seahawks lose. And uh, and I was thinking of Sam, and he's endured a lot more losses with the Dallas being a Cowboys fan. So, Sam, good to have you here with us, my friend. Looking hey, thanks over for reminding me of that. <laughs> That wound. Anyway, let's talk about what's on your website. You got some great stories here, starting off with the weekly mortgage activity report. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. It's the highest since last year. That's good. Not yeah, yeah. Our mortgage market index uh, jumped uh, 18% last 
last week, and that index is a reflection of average uh, per-user rate locks by open-close clients. And what led the activity was refinances. They were up 27%. So I guess people just jumping in uh, as uh, rates started to become a little more attractive recently. Um, Fannie Mae put out its uh, its monthly economic forecast, and in that is an estimate of all U.S. mortgage originations, which uh, it cut. Uh, what it had planned or had expected for 2015 to $1.673 trillion. Uh, last month, it actually projected $1.711 trillion for that, for that same year. So that was a reduction. It also, uh, Fannie also cut its outlook for uh, this year to $1.396 trillion from last month when it uh, was projecting $1.410 trillion. Um, we got, really we got a lot to get Mike, Mike, Mike's update then as well, see if, it, if he's following suit with that. So. Okay. Interesting. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, and, and actually, uh, we, I think if you remember uh, back when we were at the convention uh, and they had yeah. uh, mortgage bankers had their uh, outlook, they passed out. They do that each month too. They also put yeah. out their cast. So, uh, the last time around, it was uh, Fannie raising quite a bit what it expected for uh, uh, you know originations, where the MBA was a little more conservative on how much they were raising their uh, expected levels. Right. But. Um, right. This last week, uh, we had a number of earnings reports that were put out. Uh, at the top of the list was the biggest lender, Wells Fargo, which uh, reported a 15% decline in fourth quarter originations to $47 billion. Over at Chase, uh, Chase said its business dropped a quarter from the third quarter to $22.5 billion. Uh, U.S. Bank, which is a pretty big lender for the mortgage industry, it reported that its mortgage production fell 12%, from the third quarter to $17.4 billion. And over at Citigroup, uh, they reported that their fourth quarter home lending was down 17% to $6.2 billion uh, for the fourth quarter. Um, and all of those four lenders uh, reported, though, that their overall annual business was up from a year ago. So we got some a mixed results that, uh, that came in. Quarter over quarter, a little weak, but year over year was stronger. Um, over at Bank United, they uh, disclosed that they're uh, stopping their retail mortgage originations, uh, and they cited lack of scale for their decision to get out of that business. Um, over at Goldman Sachs, they disclosed that they had a more than $5 billion settlement with the government, and that was tied to an investigation into the company's role in the issuance of some uh, RMBS. Um, over at uh, BB&T Mortgage, the company named J. Toll Broom Jr. as the president of BB&T Mortgage. And this guy started with the company back in 1983, so he's been there for quite a while. Um, promoting from within, yes. That's good. Yes. Uh, over at Freddie Mac, uh, the, uh, Freddie and, uh, the, their, their regulator, Freddie and Fannie's regular FHFA, reported that overall GSE refinances were up 1%. Uh, in November from October. So overall activity was up, and that was because uh, refinances of Freddie loans were up, and that was enough to offset a de decline over Fannie. Um, over at Ginny May, they reported their December issuance uh, was down 14% to $31.9 billion. And finally, uh, we, we covered uh, several offerings of uh, either agency MSRs or even whole loan sales. I think we had a distress one in there last week. So there was a lot of secondary marketing activity and MSR sale activity that uh, was uh, put out last week. But uh, that's a highlight of all the last week's activity, David. Yeah, there's a lot going on and uh Great website you have here, friend. I'm looking. I like how you hit the highlights of this. Just like Joe Farr covers, you know, data that's happening intraday. You do a great job of covering up, gathering up a lot of statistics that are going on. I keep telling people check out, you know, MortgageDaily.com's website and for the specifically for the reports that are in there. Excellent stuff. Great, great, great. So I appreciate you being here with us each and every week, Sam. Very good. And uh, we won't bring up the Cowboys for at least how many more months now? Well, wait. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> until they start doing the, until they start the, you know, they got a good position for recruiting. I mean, they got, yeah, they yeah, got exactly. The first spot. Well, There's hope. There's hope. Always hope. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Sam. Have a great rest of the day. We appreciate Thanks, you all being here with us and our sponsors. I wanted to talk with one sponsor, um, and it's uh, John Maynell at uh, VP of Client Services at Motivity Solutions. 
And I, they have asked John to you know, provide us a KPI of the week, and uh, very excited to have this one. So, uh, John, appreciate you dialing in and telling us what you got for us this week, my friend. Hello, David. Thanks very much. Always a pleasure to be here. And this week's key performance indicator is funded to shipped cycle time. This measurement can spotlight an array of efficiencies in secondary marketing, so the strategies that generally come out of this strategic KPI have to do with refining shipping activities. Compressing this cycle requires clear understanding of investor guidelines uh, around each and every loan type and not just responding to but anticipating investor requests for additional items needed for any particular file, and our clients generally uncover training opportunities here. Uh, lenders that find investor requirements to be a bit of a moving target can focus on investor relations and enhance their business relationships and communications to improve consistency. And so this is yet another area where it's clear that what gets measured gets results. And with that, David, I will thank you again and turn it back to you. Yeah, I appreciate that, John. That's true. What gets measured gets results. So, so, so true. Also, we are excited to have uh, Arch Mortgage, excuse me, Mark, Mark, Arch Mortgage Insurance. I keep wanting to say MI. A lot of people that listen to this podcast uh, are outside the industry, and uh, we, we have some number that are. I shouldn't say a lot, but we do have some number, and so I need to make sure we use a few acronyms. So, Mortgage Insurance, Arch Mortgage Insurance. And Jim Jump, who is uh, just who is Arch's chief marketing officer, by the way, also I uh, wanted to share some thoughts with you. And so uh, I appreciate Jim coming on and giving us an update. Jim, what you got for us? Hello, David. Thanks very much. Always a pleasure to be here. And this week's Whoops, performance that's indicator. That's what happens when you press the wrong buttons here. Sorry about that. Here we are. Here's Jim. Hello, David. Always a pleasure to be on the program. Today, I want to share some information about ArchMI's most dynamic and competitive MI rate program. It's called ArchMI RateStar, and it's a revolutionary mortgage insurance pricing solution that goes well beyond traditional MI rate sheets to provide competitive rates matched precisely to your borrower. And is now available for customer use. The new program allows for ArchMI's customers to obtain the most precise mortgage insurance rate possible for each loan they insure with ArchMI. ArchMI RateStar has already generated tremendous customer interest and enthusiasm for this new, more precise approach to pricing mortgage insurance coverage. We are confident that mortgage originators will recognize that ArchMI's RateStar is easy to access, it's easy to use, it's really innovative, and it delivers some of the most competitive rates in the industry. RateStar is available to customers via ArchMI's website, archmi.com, and the mobile app is available for Apple and Android devices. It is fully integrated with most loan origination systems and product and pricing engines. And with that, David, I will turn it back over to you and say thank you very much for the time. Jim, it's good to have you be a part of it. Appreciate and real honored to have uh, Arch Mortgage Insurance be the latest, newest sponsor of the program. Really excited to have you be a part of it. Also, folks, check it out. Go over to archmi.com, and you can also just Google Raystar at archmi and then Google Star, I mean, put in that you know, Rate Star program. Excellent stuff. And also go to our website, uh, Lick It on Lending. Click on the link on the uh, homepage, and it'll take you directly to the program. It's really innovative stuff that they're doing. I like what they're doing specifically about their apps. Really cool stuff. Folks, I'm going to look forward to have with us, joining us now, Mike Frantoni. He has got the day off, and he's such a dedicated economist and a friend of the podcast here that we're doing that he has taken his day off to come in and dial in and be here with us. Mike, good to have you with us. You're no stranger. I could introduce you, but I tell everyone, I think every one of our listeners are well aware who you are. But you are the Senior Vice President at the MBA, and you're also the Chief Economist. And I want to start off just talking about some of the initiatives that, as you're kicking off the new year, we have David Stevens on here and you on fairly regularly, and definitely want to do more of that in the new year. But some of the initiatives that the MBA is focusing on. So let's let's start there real quickly and then before we get into the economic stuff. So. Give us sure. Well, David, thanks for having me on, and, and Happy New Year to you and to your listeners. Always a pleasure to be talking with you folks, give you my sense of what's going on in, in the market. Um, you know, in, t- in terms of MBA, we're always tracking what's going on with the, with the membership. So first and foremost right now, as Alice was talking about, is, is trying to figure out how the industry is going to handle TRID. That is absolutely first and foremost in, in everybody's mind right now, uh, Director Cordray sent a, a letter to, to Dave Stevens and the last year trying to provide some clarity around uh, under what circumstances a lender would be able to cure any, any trade errors. 
but there still remains quite a bit of uncertainty with respect to various aspects of the rule and uh, a lot of disagreements within the industry, particularly uh, smaller originators trying to sell to, to some of the big aggregators about exactly what is inside versus outside of the line. So that that is first and foremost right now. We're starting to see some, there's one particular investor out there that has reportedly uh, really slowed down their purchases, you know, it's because of a lack of definition. Is is this isolated to one particular lender? I'm not mentioning their name because I found a wonderful, refreshing change to that. I mean, I've been hearing one particular lender named over and over and over everywhere I'm speaking. And then the, I, I was, Alice and I were at a client last week, and I go, we're not having any issues with that lender at all. They're purchasing our stuff just as if it was normal. And I think it comes back to a lot of these purchasers, correspondent lenders, are are finding there's a confidence factor, Mike, that sits higher. Some sellers have a higher, they have a higher confidence factor in some sellers. And I think that's relating more and more to, you know, some of the experiences that are going on. Any comments around that? Just what are you seeing and, uh, and what are the issues with some of the investors? Yeah, I think I think you got it right. It, it's it's not just one uh, correspondent buyer out there, one investor that is finding issues. There are, there are a number. Uh, I think generally the sense is that those lenders who are selling directly to Fannie or Freddie are having somewhat less issues, but. I think that this, again, lack of clarity around <coughs> co-ops, around construction to perm lending, around you know various aspects really has been a, a headache for, for a lot of originators out there. And uh, one data point that I, I've kind of honed in on, I'm, I'm a bit of a data guy, as you know, is uh, you know talking to some of the warehouse lenders, you know, they're showing that average time online is going up, you know, four or five days. And so that's not just... Uh, loans headed towards one particular lender that, that, that's yeah. across the board so that just and, and that's off of a base of about 20 days right so this is yeah. a significant increase in cost uh, and oftentimes again the word on the street is that this is a loan that was intended for one investor it just w- was running into a roadblock there and so the the originators having to scramble a bit and try to find somebody else but, but in the meantime they, they are racking up a really healthy amount of cost there. And, um, yes. you know, we do our, our quarterly mortgage bankers performance report. Uh, we won't have the fourth quarter data probably for another month or so, but, you know, I guess just, just based on what I'm hearing, both the, the fact that, you know, the lenders were able to make it work, they're throwing a lot of bodies at the problem, right? Uh, and yes. so the personnel costs, in addition to the ex, uh, extra in- interest costs from being on these warehouse lines longer, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm concerned what those numbers are going to show, both in the fourth quarter of 15 and first quarter of 16. It'll be really interesting to see where those go. Let's let's take a dial, you know, back up and look at the whole economy for a few minutes, and that's where I think I want to kind of dial through that. I want to get deeper into what the, some of the statistics are going to be, what you project could be, which trends you're seeing later on here, and if some of the questions, let Alice get into that. But and Joe and I really want to start off by talking about the overall economic data, you know, such as you look at December jobs numbers, you look at retail sales. You know, what are you expecting as it relates to fourth quarter GDP? Is there any chance that you see any scenario where we could slip back into a recession? I guess everything, something's possible, but what are you seeing as a trends with GDP? So, you know, I think every time we talk, uh, there's something unusual going on, but (laughs) it it is a really curious mix of of information out there right now. You know, on the one hand, we had uh, October, November, December, some very strong uh, reports in terms of job growth. So averaging uh, over 280,000, you know, uh, December was 290,000, the unemployment rate at 5%, you know, looking looking very strong. You're beginning to see the labor force participation rate pick up a little bit from a, from a low point. So all that says really good. On the other hand, you have a weak retail sales number from December. So the, the holiday season was not as strong as, as anybody really had been hoping for. And that doesn't really jive with what we're seeing in terms of the strength in the job market. It's hard, hard to figure that out. Um, you know, our expectation is that 
overall GDP growth is going to be in, in the neighborhood of 2%, maybe up to 2.5% these next couple of years. But if you look at the incoming data, uh, fourth quarter of, of uh, 2015 may be 0.5%, right? So what we've right. had these sort of uh, anomalous readings over the past couple of years where you get one really weak quarter and then it bounces back the next. And so that's our expectation about what's going to happen is that you know, end of this month, we'll get that first read on the Q4 number, but it's going to look pretty bad. Uh, and so that would suggest that maybe we'll get some bounce back in, in first quarter, but you're really hard to decipher what's going on there. And then, uh, you know, certainly the thing that has people a little more concerned into your question about is a recession potentially heading our way is the, the financial market volatility. And, uh, boy, it seems like one-way volatility the past couple of weeks of – you know, what what exactly does it mean when you get, you know, almost 2,000 points off the Dow in the last couple of months? Um, yeah. You know, I think we're, we're, we're back at a place where the, the stock market has given a pretty good read on the global economy, which is having all kinds of issues. But uh, it's not, to my sense, not really given a very good sense of what's going on domestically, and that's where you really look at those job market numbers. But this is a tangle right now, don't mind telling you. It's a mess. Joe, I'll turn the mic over to you. I know you've got some questions. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, right in, in those lines, uh, there there are seem to be a lot of strange things driving the, the volatility we're seeing, uh, you know, coming out of uh, global economic growth and and oil. And, and what all do you attribute to the cause of all this volatility, Mike? So I think – First-hand people look to what's going on in, in China, and so he, here's how I'm looking at that. So you have the the Chinese government taking a couple of steps to try to move their economy from being overly dependent on exports and really heavy industry and, and moving towards more of a consumer-driven economy, more similar to the U.S. That's probably positive for them longer term, but, boy, it is having a huge impact on the global economy in the short term because that means they are pulling away from being, you know, one of the uh, strongest demanders of raw materials in, in the world. So you're seeing this unbelievable drop in oil prices, but other commodities as well. So I think that's one driver is sort of as China's going this through this transition, um, real disruption in the market for, for lots of natural resources. Then obviously you got the situation in, in the Middle East, which um, – you know, just seems more complicated than ever with uh, uh, what looks like the, the the competition for sort of regional power between I- Iran and Saudi Arabia, and uh, still uh, unsettled situation in, in Syria. And so I, I think between those two, and sort of there's a latest rumor that um, you know Iran may really begin to ramp up their oil production once these once their sanctions come off, and that's yet another factor leading to a drop in oil. So uh, that, that's really what I'm what I'm looking at, but it's it is a very complex situation. Well, and so uh, Mike, how do you how do you see those things spilling over into the U.S. economy, and and what impacts is that going to mean for you know our economy? So uh, one of my favorite quote, quotes from a, a famous economist is that you know the stock market predicted nine out of the last five recessions. So uh-huh. it tends to be an an overly sensitive indicator and uh, you know a, a a a very jumpy companion. Not 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 somebody that you can really count on for a clear read, but you still gotta you still gotta pay attention. So. I, I think it is again more reflecting the the global uncertainties and global volatility, and so to the extent that calms down over the next couple of weeks or months, I think we'll uh, it'll be springing back. Um, the The worry is though that if it really stays down and if this volatility stays elevated, that both consumer and business confidence may, may take a hit, and you'll see. You know, households and businesses just just waiting to make that next decision, whether you know in our market whether that's a decision to buy a house or a, a business decision to to put up that next factory. Just you know thinking, well, maybe I'll wait for this to blow over a little bit. And the more of that dynamic develops, uh, the more I think there's the potential for an impact on the U.S. domestic economy. Yeah. So, how how does all this weigh on the decisions the Fed's going to make? Well, back in December, as you know, first time since 2008, the, the Fed moved short-term rates off of zero. 
and their expectation was that they would continue to gradually increase rates uh, over the next couple of years. Now, we were a bit more cautious than than they in their last forecast. So, the Federal Open Market Committee projecting four rate increases through 2016. We we thought only two. Uh, we're we're holding to that bet. The, the financial markets are now predicting what you know one or or, or none in 2016. So, again, I think the markets are being a little too sensitive. If you looked at just the speeches that some of the Federal Reserve officials made last week, particularly look at uh, William Dudley, who's president of New York Fed, he's you know trying to communicate a sense of look, we're going to look through this financial market volatility, and you should you should expect we're going to stay on pace for for several rate hikes during the year, but you know, obviously being data dependent. So, uh, you know, all in, I, I think our, our, our bet of, of two hikes this year, probably one at the March meeting, one at the June meeting, I think that, that remains a, a pretty good bet. Uh, but uh, if you were going to take the over or the under at this point, I think the the under might be the way to go. That's a good point. Yeah, Alice. Yeah, thanks so much, Mike. So with all of that in mind then, is MBA updating the rate and volume forecast based on all of this? So I heard the, the discussion earlier from, from Sam about how, you know, Fannie and Freddie are making some changes there. Uh, you know, our most recent forecast in, in December, we were a little below $1.5 trillion in 2015 and then looking at $1.3 over the next couple of years, moving more and more towards a purchase market, you know, about 10% growth in, in purchase each year and refi falling off uh, pretty substantially. So, uh, you know, with the, sort of the, the latest look, uh, I, I think mortgage rates are going to move up even more slowly than, than we had originally projected. So we had thought they might end 2016 at about four and three quarters. Now I think we're going to revise that to probably four and a half by the end of 2016. So probably won't have much of an impact on our, our rate forecast, excuse me, our volume forecast, you know, to the extent it does, you know, probably just a, a nudge higher on, on the refi side. But, you know, if you look at our uh, weekly application survey data, you know, we're showing purchase apps running steadily about 20% ahead of last year at this pace. So still confident in, in that purchase number. The only question would be, do we do we push that refi number just up a bit? Because I think certainly in the in the last week and maybe the next week, you might get a little more interest in, in refi given the drop in rates. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it seems like there are some uh, markets that are still doing well for that purchase side of the business. So all of that um, also then is directly related to the credit availability. So the index that the MBA uses dropped a little bit in December in spite of the fact of Fannie Mae having a few credit cri- pieces of credit criteria like non-occupant co-borrowers and some things with self-employed borrowers that loosened up a little bit. So what are the trends then that you see in just that credit availability index, um, given just the little dip we had in the last couple months? Yeah, Meaning it was interesting. For that, those of you who yeah, don't that, follow that index, sorry. <laughs> for those yeah, who don't follow so that's, that's our, our, our mortgage credit, credit availability index. Yeah, yeah we, we put it out at the beginning of each month, and we look at the all regs market clarity product and look at the full set of loan programs that are being offered, then we use a uh, equation looking at the relative riskiness of those products and sort of collapse it into one number. And as you said, last couple of years that index has shown uh, some greater credit availability, but we saw a little dip in December. And um, the reason for it is kind of technical and, and gets to you know exactly how we construct the index. Uh, as you said, Fannie Mae rolled out their Home Ready programs, which is really the replacement for the old My Community Mortgage programs. Uh, mm-hmm. And what we saw in the data is that you have a lot of lenders pulling their My Community programs, but it's probably, you know, in January or, or maybe in February where they will launch their version of, of Home Ready. And so just in the interim we saw this dip, but we don't see it as really any change in, in market credit availability. This was more of a technical change uh, due to the, the change in, in the Fannie Mae specs. So overall, then, that tech- remaining more stable than necessarily continuing to loosen? 
I, I think so. I mean, I think uh, there is a question about how much volume is going to is going to run through these home ready programs because they really are focused uh, at uh, low to moderate income. Um, you know, very much tightly focused there. Um, outside of that, you know, not seeing much more loosening either in the in the jumbo side or the government side. Uh, in terms of government lending, continues to be concerns. Uh, you know, lenders putting overlays on their on their FHA criteria uh, due to concerns about False Claims Act liability. Uh, so, still waiting to see whether there's anything uh, really sort of nailed down in terms of uh, the lender certification with FHA to try to reduce really the need for some of those overlays. That, that's what I think is probably the the best bet for. Uh, some loosening of credit in the year ahead is if we get more certainty around that FHA liability. Yeah, we'll be definitely watching that in our legislative update on the program for everybody uh, as FHA should be, we hope, making a a move on giving us some more clarity around that. So you mentioned earlier in the program about, you know, warehouse line times being up four to five days, you know, people having to add personnel costs in order to be able to process all the extra work with TRID. So, you know, this impacts profitability. Do you have any indications on uh, what other leading indicators we should be watching? You know, to me, those are leading indicators. My profitability is going down as a result of TRID, um, which can in turn impact rates. So what are your thoughts on that? Is is that just a a spot in the market that we'll recover from, or is there a long-term impact that TRID will have on profitability? Great question. So when we look at our benchmarking data for the past couple of years, it's it's a very consistent trend where this is not a revenue story. We're not in a place where lenders are really very aggressively competing on, on price and so margin getting skinny because of a drop in revenues. This This is all about cost. You're seeing increases in uh, back office cost, lenders who used to have – uh, a person in charge of QC now have a department, and uh, you know similar for for reg compliance and and risk management in, in many cases. And I just I just don't see that going away. And I think uh, with TRID, that's going to be just another force really leading to to that continuing. And you know when I talk to lenders, you know you ask them first, well have have you missed any closings because of, of complications around TRID? And they generally say no, but it's because I am just you know, using human mortar, uh, just you know, throwing bodies and bodies and bodies at the problem to make sure that you know I'm meeting my customers' needs and closing the loan. Uh, we obviously talked about you know there are still issues on on the back end of the process selling to investors, but um, you know at at some point those personnel costs are are just going to going to be too much. Uh, like I said with Sam talking earlier about. You know, yet another bank sort of throwing up their hands and saying, "This is not a business I think I want to be in anymore. I can, I can have more more fun some somewhere else." Um, I was talking to someone ju- just last week, and they said they talked to three community banks who, who just in that week who had made that decision, saying, "You know, I'm going to partner with uh, an IMB uh, when it comes to providing my customers mortgages, but." I don't want to take the risk or bear the cost of originating mortgages anymore. So I think we're going to see a lot of consolidation. Uh, Dave and I talked about the mergers and acquisitions event we have coming up. I think we're going to see uh, a lot of uh, smaller and mid-sized lenders just not, just not uh, wanting to be to be in this market anymore. So it's, it's going to be continued, continued upheaval. Um, and then just the, the, the last point I'd make, and this gets to – uh, the the industry technology group that uh, Rick Hill and, and Jane Davis and in in my team at an MBA, you know, w- we get some CIOs or CTOs together and, and hear a very common refrain, which is that you know over the past couple of years they focused all their efforts on two items: regulatory compliance and cybersecurity. You know, those things were absolutely taking up a hundred percent of their time. And those are required to stay in business. They didn't have time to work on customer experience. They didn't have time to work on innovation, which could reduce some of these costs. And uh, just just the hope is at some point in 2016, 
we can get sort of our our talented folks in this industry be able to spend more time to try to attack this cost problem, which is uh, really made uh, much more challenging to be in this business. I have some questions that our listeners are already popping in on, and it's almost I'm going to go through almost backwards through some of the thing you're you're talking points to answer the questions as I'm organizing the the feedback I'm receiving. Uh, one comes comes back related to TRID, and anyone who wants to send me a quick email, you can do it through Skype, you can do it through text me, uh, several people. I'm not recognizing some of the numbers, so uh, you can text me at 512-632-2900. It's the best way it will pop up here on my uh, screen, and I'll in- interject your question. One question that came in on TRID is, uh, to impacting profitability uh, is it obviously a concern? It, the costs are higher than a lot. A lot of people anticipated. The disruption is far more severe. Uh, there's marketing adjustments, extensions on commitments. I mean, that is what seems to have been happening with some of the folks out there. At least we're hearing. Uh, several are saying is, aren't they just raising margins? I mean, am, am I one of the guys? Says, am I alone in that? I'm raising my margins. I'm still able to get the business, and uh, and, main, and I'm maintaining my profitability. Is do you see others doing that, Mike? So I think it's the whole question about the, you know, yeah, costs are up, but so they're just increasing margins to cover them. And so profitability overall, at least for IMBs, is remaining stable. Thoughts? It's a good point. You know, again, we don't we don't have the Q4 data yet, so not don't have yeah. a in, any good good basis to judge. Uh, you know, one thing I've I've said is that I think we. Uh, we, we were benefiting from the move and the implementation date, right? I mean, can, can you imagine how challenging it would have been if we had been held to that original August date versus the move to October? Uh, you know, at least we are living through this at a, at a period of, of seasonal low volume. Um, you know, hope that by the time we get to the, the spring buying season that some of this will be um, – more ironed out, but it but it's a concern, right? Because uh, you know when you have a, a low flow of volume, you can just throw bodies at the problem and get it done. That's one thing. But right. if you're in you know April peak, peak buying season, uh, you worry more about disruptions impacting the the, the borrower. Um, yes. You know, I, I in in the past, you know, think about what happens in refi waves, right? Yeah, you do have some lenders saying, "I'm going to control my flow of volume by." widening that, that profit margin at times just so I don't o- overload my shop. Um, so I guess I could imagine some lenders sort of applying the same logic uh, in, in in a trade environment, but, um, you know, in, in a refi wave, you know, it's, you have you have too much business to do. I, 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 don't, I don't know how your customers are going to react if you're turning them away because of a, a red compliance issue. You know, it's a... This this is a real struggle for the industry. It is without question. Another question came in about credit availability. You know, a lot of your comments came about HUD, Fannie, Freddie, uh, but what about the citadels of the world? The the new entrance of the non-conforming uh, lenders that are starting to show up in the landscape is this is this just going to be a real fringe thing for a long period of time? Do you see any growth in, in that? That segment in, and are we starting? I think the question behind the question is: Are we seeing a trend to return where history will repeat itself? Sincerely doubt that, but they want your thoughts on credit availability as it relates to the citadels and the non-prime, the non-agency um, type lending. Yeah, I guess I'm I'm a bit of a skeptic there. I, I think that you know, with the Dodd Frank regulations. Uh, on the one hand, and then just with the continued sort of lack of market appetite, you, you just, you know, we are still sort of, uh, sort of pl- playing around with a 10 or 15 billion dollar private label MBS market as opposed to the trillion dollar MBS market we had pre-crisis, right? So there's, there is just not the secondary market outlets that we had available previously, and I don't see a lot of balance sheet appetite from banks or others to take this kind of product on. So I think it's just going to be inherently limited. Uh, you know, there obviously are some uh, sort of equity-based investors willing to do some of this, and, and you know, that they may fare sort of well enough, but I just don't see the volume being large enough to, to really have an impact on the broader market. 
Another question just came in. I always love it when you're on because we get just tons of questions, and they usually flood because they listen afterwards. So, folks, if, if we're not live, I can't ask the question. So you can text me. We'll fit it in and get it over to Mike, try to get his response back. But, Mike, several people are saying if the Fed does increase, uh, you know, and you said the lower side of probability is probably the safer bet, but if the Fed were to increase that with all the geopolitical and economic conditions going on, uh, is it distinctly possible that you will revise your rate forecast even lower than what you you have? I mean, thoughts? So our mortgage rate forecast, uh, you know, is, is anticipating the, the two Fed hikes this year. Um, right. Yeah, if, if things changed enough that the Fed only went once or uh, or or – uh, but if they don't move at all, yeah, we, 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 would, we would bring our, our rate path lower. Uh, I would still expect that the rate path would be would be uh, increasing through the year, but you know maybe not even getting up to four and a half by the by the end of the year. Um, but the uh, I've got a, a favorite chart that I that I always share in a presentation. If you look at the distribution of rates on outstanding thirty-year mortgages, you know about seventy percent are below four and a half. So that's that's a seventy percent of of the mortgage market right now has basically zero incentive to refi. Um, so slight changes up or down from our forecast aren't going to have that big of an impact on our volume forecast. Yeah, I think that's significant. I think the question behind this question, again, is even regardless of the Fed's, what the Fed action, the markets are going to trade based on external data. And so even if the Fed's were, were – I mean, how tied are your rate predictions to the Fed is one of the, the, the specific questions that just came in. Yeah, yeah. So, so we, we did a chart of the week uh, a week or two ago looking at how the yield curve has moved for the past year. And yes. the short end has gone up. The long end has come down. Right? So that yep. to us says that the Fed has control of the short end. Global investors have control of the long end, and yeah. that's going to continue. We think that yield curve is going to keep flattening. It's just a question of to what extent will it will it flatten. Um, you know, I, I I think the Fed is at least in the, in their statements are are sort of bound to determine to try to normalize policy, and, and unless the U.S. were to fall into a recession, they're going to continue. But I think the global turmoil is going to keep lo- longer rates lower than they otherwise would have been. Mike, I want to say thank you so much for taking time on a day off, nonetheless, to dial in. You're a busy enough guy regularly, but for you to take time to dial in on a day off, it's just really, really appreciated. So many of our listeners pay such close attention to it. Um, anything else about the MBA that we should uh, that I missed that we should call people's attention to, just going back and focusing on an MBA initiatives or anything we should focus on as we wrap up today's broadcast? I really appreciate you calling out MA, the Mortgage Action Alliance. Again, it's, it's a very easy thing for anybody in the industry to do. It's free. It's a way for us to show, really, sort of the power of our numbers, power of our voice. So, as you did, just would encourage everyone who is listening in here to, to sign up for MA so that when we get in, uh, an issue before Congress that really needs an industry-wide voice, you can participate as well. And you'll be publishing the oh the one one thing I want to call attention to you guys do a great job a chart of the week kind of just data points that you're sending out how can people get um, get get signed up to receive that you have to be an MBA member for that correct got to got to be an MBA member uh, you just got, go to the website and there is a a link there to sign up and, and maybe Dave what I could do maybe I could I could send that link to you and and you could That'd have it great. available for for your listeners. Oh. I'll put it in. I'll put it in the today's uh, write up on the podcast so uh, people can see it right there. Mike, thanks so much again for taking part out of this Martin Luther King holiday to join us. Thanks for the updates and all that's going on. It's always good to have you here, my friend. And greet our friends there at the NBA. You guys are doing a fabulous job, and we value the partnership we have on this radio broadcast. But even broader, what you're doing for this industry is nothing less than just. I don't know, could you imagine an industry without having the strength of this trade association? It's so essential with all that's going on. Thank you so much. Greet everybody there. They're doing a great job, and we appreciate you very much. Thanks a lot, David. Talk to you later. Bye. You you bet. Folks, it's so good to have with us Mike Frantoni, the Senior Vice President and Chief Economist for the MBA, and I encourage you to sign up and become a member of the MBA, as well as just 
do your best to support it. Again, the Mortgage Action Alliance is just so easy to do. Joe, I can't, we'd normally come back to you to say what's going on in the markets, but the markets are closed. But it'll be an interesting hey, week, though, to see. Well, yeah, it's going to be a, it's nice to have some quiet after all the volatility we've had. Uh, good to have you and Alice here be a part of the podcast today. You, so Dave. much appreciate it very much, both of you being here. And again, next week we have Les Parker, another person who is uh, no stranger to the pod to this podcast, and he does a great job of really bringing us some updated information on what's happening. He's going to kind of tie all of everything we've heard this month together, and is also going to be talking to the volatility as it relates to hedging. Really going to be a great podcast next week. So Les Parker will be doing uh, the cleanup, the last uh, covering all the things that haven't been covered this week. And then we're heading into some really exciting series in February. Head over to the website, lickitonlending.com, to learn more about who we have lined up. Good to have you with us, everybody. Have a great week and a happy Martin Luther King Day to all of you. See you back here next week. Thank you. This has been Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. Today's guests were Joe Farr from MBS Quoline, Andy Shell of Mortgage Banking Solutions, and Alice Alvey, President CMB of Mortgage U. Come by next week and thank you for listening.